in a series called Back to Normal, and uh, what we've been talking about is we've gone through this year of a pandemic, and now things are starting to wind down, and uh, we're obviously in California, and so... Uh, we have these tears, and they go from purple to yellow to, I guess, no tear or whatever, or just shedding tears. I don't know what we call it, but that's what it's like. And uh, everybody uh, in California has a different opinion on how we should open up. I was talking to a pastor. Uh, one of the things I love to do is hang out with pastors. Go figure. Um, but I love to talk shop. I love to talk about how they run their property, what they do in the, how long their uh, sermons are, all that kind of stuff. And uh, so I love I love doing that. And so I took this pastor out to lunch, and we were talking about how to reopen, which is just awesome. Uh, and uh, so he said, you know, kind of leaned across the table. Of course, fully masked and safe. Uh, actually, he'd been vaccinated a long time ago. But he says, uh, he, he says, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> right? Confession of a pastor. And I said, oh, bro, neither do I. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'll say it out loud. I'll say it big. Like, I, who knows what they're doing? It's a pandemic, right? So this morning, that's what we're going to be talking about. Telling people how to move forward. I'm going to, by the time I'm done, you're going to leave here and you're going to go, sweet, I know exactly the right thing to do and I'll know exactly how to talk to other people about what they should do because that's healthy relationships. So, um, uh, no, I'm going to be doing just the opposite. So here, here's the way our brain works. Whether or not, and let me just get this out in just to, out First and foremost, whether or not you believe in a, a, a literal seven-day creation or you believe that it took a little longer than that, that's fine. We're on the same page. I, I just believe that God created, that whatever we see, however we see it, however we've been designed, that we are designed by God, created in His image, done by His hand. I don't know how long it took, whatever. But I do know the human brain well enough to know that over time, uh, things in our human brain, as we learn, have been exposed. And one of the things that's been exposed in our human brain is over history, we have not been designed to handle as much information as we have access to right now. It used to be, and for, sorry for getting graphic, but we've dismissed the children already, uh, you would worry about... Um, uh, finding food, finding shelter, and having babies, okay? That's what you worried about. And then how do you take care of those babies so they can grow up and actually be productive and do stuff for you? Not live in your basement, actually do stuff for you, okay? And that's kind of the way our brains, that's the only things we had to worry about, and that's what's going on. Now... Now, fast forward however many years from when man first was biped, and uh, now we have one of these, okay? I have access to what is going on in Libya today. We have one of these. We have computers. We have one of these. And, and, and they're called now smart televisions, okay? 
So they're not just TVs, they're smart, okay? We have access to more information than our brains can handle. Further, we're forced to have opinions on everything. On everything from, I mean, one of the things I learned, this is called seven things we learned from COVID. As you'll see throughout the seven weeks, and the numbers may begin to dwindle, it's kind of just seven things we're bad at. I've learned over the year, and so we're going to be talking about one of the other things we're bad at. I'll get to something we're good at. This one came actually out of an email that I received, and hopefully the person, well, they're actually in here. Um, By the time I get done, they'll be able to see that it was actually them. So I had asked you, if you wanted to, send me an email, and uh, some of you did. And so I said, I'll preach it. Uh, I happen to be preaching this one anyway, but you'll see. and so we, ha- we have all this information and we're supposed to give all these opinions. When the epidemic started, when the pandemic started, 330 million of us immediately became epidemiologists with all the ideas of how to stop it and how to make sure that we're not good. Some of us, and again, if this is you, I apologize. Some of us believed it was a hoax, Right? And, and, and again, if you believe that, I don't know what, I don't know what to tell you, but um, it's an awesome hoax because a lot of people died. Anyway, uh, and so we have all this information. And then not only do we have information, we have information from people who have a vested interest in their particular slant of information. And we have other sources of information, secret information, like stuff on YouTube where you find a video that no one knows about and only this person knows about this one special thing and they're they're experts at it. Not actual experts, but they have these videos that they've been showing and we watch those videos and we go, man, that really resonates with me. And then we become experts in whatever thing that person has going on. Well, what I want to do this morning so I want to go over uh, a famous story. The story is Job, okay? Here's the real fast thing of Job. This is probably what everybody knows about Job. If you're watching at home, you probably know the story of Job. Dude loves God. Uh, Satan comes, says, yeah, right. He gets everything taken from him, still loves God, gets back twice as much. The theology is, if you stick with God, you'll get twice as much as you did before. That's actually not the theology of Job, but that's kind of what we've come away with. That Job has all these trials, and he makes it through the trials. So I'm going to give you a different perspective of Job. So here's how Job starts. If you read the book, it's actually two prose. You have prose in the beginning. It's a narrative. And then like 38 chapters of poetry... And then prose. Okay, the way uh, it is set up. uh, Prose, 38 chapters of poetry or somewhere around there. And then uh, prose, prose again. And the way it starts out is God basically has a, um, uh, like a staff meeting. So he gets, he gets everybody in heaven together, and uh, he has a staff meeting, and he's like, hey, how about my servant Job? Dude's pretty cool, huh? And then the Satan, the accuser, what we call Satan, uh, comes up and says, yeah, 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 that's because I'd be like all for you too if, um, if I had all the stuff that Job has. If you take his stuff away, then uh, he won't bless you. And God says, okay, fine, take his stuff away, but leave him alone. 
Satan takes his stuff away. I can't, I forget all the numbers. It doesn't really matter, but he had like, like 3,000 camels and 500 head of oxen and all this kind of stuff, and, and, and they get wiped out. People come, steal them, kill all his servants. A big wind comes and kills all his kids, and then there he is. And he still doesn't uh, leave God, still worships God. And so then uh, the Satan, Satan, the accuser, comes and says, well, how, what about if I take, take care of him? And he says, you can touch him, but don't kill him. And so Satan has all these boils on his body. It's just like the dude is just wrecked. And uh, there's even, okay, I don't mean to get super gross, but it, it's the Bible. So what can you do? He would have to scrape his skin, okay? Ugh. That's just gross. And there he is. And so this is where we catch uh, Job, uh, starting in chapter 2. When Job's three friends, Eliphaz, the Temanite, Bildad, the Shuhite, and Zophar, the Naamite, Naamathite, okay, those are all tongue twisters, heard about all the troubles that had come upon him. They set out from their homes. This is a very big deal for them. There's three different people groups coming together. They set out from their homes and met together by agreement to go and sympathize with him and comfort him. This is the goal, to sympathize and to comfort. This is all they were going to do. They just wanted to see their friend, sympathize, comfort. Right now, we should all be tracking with them. Perfect. Excellent. Excellent. So just be Christ. <laughs> just go and be Jesus. That's all you're supposed to do. That's what they had in mind. It was great. It was great. Go and be Jesus. I think that was kind of, so the email I received from this person, uh, that was kind of their whole point. That I've learned through COVID just to be Jesus. I don't have to go give advice or be right or give all my, the information that I learned from the internet. Uh, just go and be Jesus. To sympathize and comfort with them. Listen to what happens when they saw him from a distance. So they go with this expectation like, yeah, we'll just comfort him. But it's way worse. Way worse than they thought. When they saw him from a distance, they could hardly recognize him. And they began to weep aloud. And they tore their robes and sprinkled dust on their heads. One of the things that we don't do very well in Western culture is grieve. We, 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 we go to people and go, oh, it'll be fine. It'll be okay. And the reason we say it'll be okay is because we want to feel better. Not that we're helping them at all. We want to feel better, so we're like, yeah, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. When in fact, sometimes we have to sit and grieve and lament and be present. And that's what they do. Then they sat on the ground with him. Listen to this. For seven days and seven nights, just being present with Job. These are really good friends at the beginning. No one said a word to him because they saw how great his suffering was. And then... After seven days and seven nights, Job speaks. And he basically begins to just open his heart and share how difficult it is for him. How hard it is for him. What it's like to experience what he's experiencing. This is Job's perspective. 
This is what it's like to be me. I just want to express to you what it's like to be me. And so after this, he opens his mouth and he curses the day of his birth. I wish I'd never been born. May the day of my birth perish and the night that said a boy is conceived. I can't handle this anymore. This is what my experience is like. This is what it's like to be me. And that's when the wheels fall off of his friendship with his three people. Because what we're going to see, and I have it in a series of tweets, just for fun, okay? It, I'm not making fun of the Bible. I'm not lessening the Bible. But because I can see Twitter, this is like, oh my gosh, this is exactly what's happening to us and is what has happened to us through the last year in the pandemic. We've lost the ability to just be with people in place of having to be right. So, Eliphaz the Temanite, I changed his Twitter handle to official Eliphaz the Temanite, okay? So we know that it's really him, official Eliphaz the Temanite. So those of you who are not on Twitter, good job. <laughs> Stay that way. For those of you who are, you'll know what I'm doing here. As I have observed, this is how he starts off. The way I see it is, those who plow evil and those who sow trouble reap it. And the breath of God they per at the breath of God they perish, at the blast of his anger they are no more. In other words, Job, the way I see it, there's kind of something wrong right here because God blesses those who do the right thing. And he gets rid of those who do the wrong thing. That's his tweet. He goes on, and this is just classic spirituality because oftentimes we can't just go straight to the word we have to have a word okay which i'm not opposed to i love it but this is what he says a word was secretly brought to me in other words god has spoken to me above and beyond what we already know my ears caught a whisper of it amid disquieting dreams in the night when deep sleep falls on people. Fear and trembling seized me and made all my bones shake. In other words, I've had this experience, and so I'm going to share it with you, and I'm going to apply it to you. This, we're still at official Eliphaz the Temanite. Here's what he says. We have examined this. We've been with you seven days. We've seen it. We understand God. And it is true what we have to say. So hear it and apply it to yourself. And apply it to yourself. Well, Job responds and he's like, guys, listen, thank, you know, whatever, thanks. Um, the problem is I haven't really done anything wrong. I haven't sinned against God. I've kind of been faithful all this time. I've been doing the right things. I've been doing everything God required of me. And their theology, their theology and their worldview cannot see this. It's impossible. The way they see the world, it's impossible for that Job experiences suffering and God not be part of it. Because, and rightly so, I agree with them, God is ultimately sovereign. 
But why would God allow that? So Bildad, the Shuhite, weighs in after Job talks. His Twitter handle is the real Bildad the Shuhite. When our, your children sinned against them, get against him, he gave them over to the penalty of their sin. This is what he says. This is the, his theology. God killed your kids, bro. God killed your kids. And you know why your kids died? Because they're sinners. Bildad, the real Bildad, the Shuhite, knows this. What started out as staying with Job for seven days quietly, supporting him, once Job opened his mouth, oh man, then it was like, you're wrong, I'm right, and I need to show you. And that's what his three friends begin to do for about 35 chapters. The real build out of the shoe says, surely God does not reject one who is blameless or strengthen the hands of evildoers. Job goes back. Guys, I haven't done anything wrong. I don't know what happened. He has no idea. As a matter of fact, Job is like, man, I'd really like to ask God if he were here what's happening because it doesn't really hit my theology either. I don't understand it either. So he goes on and he kind of pleads his case and says, look, I, 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 at one point when Job is talking about, he says this really weird thing where he's like, look, if I'm wrong, let my wife like sleep with other men. Like he's so, has no idea what's happening. So he talks about that. Chapter 11, Zophar, the Namanthite for God, says this, Oh, how I wish that God would speak and that he would open his lips against you. In other words, I wish God would speak because when God would speak, he'd say exactly what I'm saying. Wow, okay. And disclose to you the secrets of wisdom, for true wisdom has two sides. Here's what Job says about wisdom in chapter 13. This is what it's like to be Job, not understanding why God is allowing what God is allowing. He says, if only you would be altogether silent. For you, that would be wisdom. Amen? <laughs> oh, I'm proud of you guys. You actually said amen. If only you would be altogether silent. For you, that would be wisdom. Well, Eliphaz, there's three cycles of this, by the way. Each person says something, Job says something. The next person, Job. The next person, Job. And this happens in three different cycles. The cycle continues. But you even undermine piety. If you notice what's happening, and you'll notice it throughout the whole book of Job, his friends begin ramping it up. Because they have to be right. Because their theology can't stand the tension of something that's so difficult to watch. And then this God allowing it to happen. Does that sound familiar to any of you? Have you gone through this through the pandemic like I have? Like what in the world? How is this happening? And here's what we say. We say things like God is judging America or God is 
doing this or God is doing that or this is a wake-up call. All those things may be true. I have no problem with any of those things. But do we know? Are we sure? Should we talk? Should we post? I don't know. You undermine piety and you hinder devotion to God. Your sin prompts your mouth. Now it's getting personal. Eliphaz is like, I'm, start, this is, I'm really starting to feel it. He's, in a, he's on a roll now, right? He's in a Twitter storm right now. And then Job gets, gets uh, he gets personal. I've heard many things like these. You are miserable comforters, all of you. <laughs> Will your long-winded speeches never end? What ails you that you keep on arguing? What's going on inside? What's going on? Job asks. Well, the real Bildad the Shuhite tweets this. Surely, such is the dwelling of an evil man. Such is the place of one who does not know God. Now he's going, you don't even know God. Canceled. That's you. I don't even know. I don't even want to see anything else you have to say. You, you, you're not coming under the authority of my theology, so I don't want to hear anything you have to say. You don't even know God. Zophar, the Namathite for God, tweets this. I hear a rebuke that dishonors me. See, what happened was Job goes, you guys are driving me crazy. Oh, man, that really got to Zophar. He says, I hear a rebuke that dishonors me. And my understanding inspires me to reply. I have to get this out. I have to say this. See, I know God, I know theology, I know the Bible, I know America, I know what's going on, I read this, I saw this, I follow this person, I know this, I know exactly what's going on, and I can't keep it inside. When that happens, we are in dangerous, dangerous territory. Such is the fate, nine, this is nine verses later, such is the fate God allots the wicked, the heritage appointed to them for, by God. Hey, Job, you're getting what you deserve. Eliphaz piles on a couple chapters later, and I took a bunch of verses and I consolidated them into just what he says, so don't freak out about this, but this is exactly what he says. You demanded security from your relatives. You stripped people of their clothing. You gave no water to the weary. You withheld food from the hungry. You sent widows away empty-handed and broke the strength of orphans. That's what you did. That's why you're being in trouble by God. Because you're a bad person inside. I know your heart. I don't have to see anymore. Eliphaz says, he says, that is why snares are all around you, why sudden peril terrifies you, and why it is so dark you cannot see, and why flood of water covers you. Job gets super sarcastic, which is awesome, because sarcasm is one of my spiritual gifts. How you've helped the powerless. How you have saved the arm that is feeble. What advice you have offered to one without wisdom. And what great insight you have displayed. Job says this, you've done nothing with your opinion. It hasn't helped anybody. It hasn't done anything. 
I would venture to say what they did several days ago, I don't know how long it took to go through talk for 30 chapters, but what they were doing for that seven days, just being with them, being with Job, lamenting with them, building relationship, was the heart of Jesus. Oh, by the way, spoiler alert, I'm right at the end. Okay, there we go. I read the whole book. So what ends up happening, and millennials, I'm not making fun of you. I love you. I work with millennials. I love millennials. Our generation is terrible. Your generation is great. We did horrible things. You'll, you'll fix it all. I got it. But what's really cool in Job is that you have these three friends, and then you've got Job, and all of a sudden this character comes out of nowhere, this like young dude. Like it just, he just pops up. And, uh, and he talks about like, hey, I was young and I didn't want to say anything, but basically I know everything. And so um, he, he, he kind of like sh shows up and it takes him like 28 verses to just say what he needs to say. He spends 28 verses going, I'm going to say something. I want you to listen. And it's like, bro, just say it. Okay. So I spared you all of that. He says, bear with me a little longer and I will show you that, that there is more to be said, listen, in God's behalf. I get my knowledge from the internet, he says. Oh, from afar. I will ascribe justice to my maker. In other words, I'm going to say things that make it safe for God. Be assured that my words are not false. Oof. One who has perfect knowledge is with you. <laughs> that's awesome. He's a next-gen Elihu the Buzzite. Uh, that's his Twitter handle. So we get through this whole thing. And when you listen, if you go back, and I'd, I'd encourage you to read the whole book of Job. It's, it's fascinating. Um, when you read a lot of what these guys say, these three friends, a lot of it is true. They have a lot of good stuff in there about how God is sovereign and how God is just. And if, he just, if you would just repent, you could bring restoration and all these different things. All this truth is in there. But then God responds. Chapter 38. I won't read too far and I'm not going to put it up there. The Lord answers. So, uh, sorry for the millennial dude. He gets through five chapters and God shows up and doesn't even pay any attention. To, like, doesn't even mention him. It's like, nobody mentions it. So, sorry about that. If, 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 if you're, yeah. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind. Who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? In other words, you don't know what you're talking about. You have no idea what you're talking about. Were you in the board meeting where the accuser came? No, you weren't there. Do you, do you, well, but yeah, but I, but I know this and I know that. Great, but do you know what's going on in this specific situation? Were you there? Matter of fact, this is what he says. <laughs> Gird up your loins like a man, okay? Now again, maybe we don't. I will question you and you shall declare to me. And here's the question that I have for all of us. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? 
Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. You watch the Discovery Channel. You got the internet. You got to figure it out, right? Or who stretched the line upon it? On what were its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone? And the morning stars sang together and all the heavenly beings shouted for joy. Or who shut in the sea with doors? When it burst out of the womb, when I made the clouds its garment and thick darkness its swaddling band and prescribed bounds for it and set bars and doors and said, thus far you shall come and no farther. And here shall your proud waves be stopped. Have you commanded the morning since your days begun? You done that? No. And caused the dawn to know its place? so that it might take hold of the skirts of the earth and the wicked be shaken out of it? It is changed like clay under a seal, and it is dyed like a garment. Light is withheld from the wicked, and their uplifted arm is broken. Have you entered into the springs of the sea or walked in the recesses of the deep? Have the gates of death been revealed to you, or have you seen the gates of, the, of deep darkness? Have you comprehended the expanse of the earth. Declare if you know all this. It goes on for three chapters. I would really, really encourage you in a heart of humility to just go home this week and read that. Here's my point for this morning. We don't know dirt. I really wanted to use another word, but my wife said I wasn't allowed to, so I brought some dirt. This dirt comes from my garden. Uh, I, sometimes we try to plant stuff, and so, you know, planting stuff is super easy. You put stuff in the ground, and then you plant it, and then you water it, and stuff like springs up. How hard is that? Well, then it doesn't spring up, and you're like, oh, man, that was weird. Well, how come? And so you start talking to people, and they're like, what kind of dirt is it? <laughs> Ground dirt? Like earth dirt? Dirt from the ground. All the dirt's the same. Oh, no, 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 Dirt's not all the same. It all depends on what you want to plant. So this dirt might grow one thing and not grow another. The truth is it's dirt. If we can't even get this right... If I can't even get dirt right, you think I know the heart of God through a pandemic? Do you think I know the heart of God through a pandemic well enough to begin to instruct somebody else on how they're living their life? Here's one of the seven things I learned from COVID. We are really, really arrogant, and it's destroying our relationships. So, here to talk about that. Oh, just so you know how stupid I am. Um, we're not supposed to say stupid. Uh, how, anyway, um, when, uh, when we first started the pandemic, um, we had a staff meeting. And the staff was wondering, do we cancel church? Do we just have online? All this kind of stuff. And so um, I made a prediction for the pandemic, okay? I don't know if I showed you this before. I've posted on social media. This is me. I said it's going to last six weeks. This was the date I said it, 3-12-20, and I signed my name to it. 
because I'd already been through the bird flu, right? That turned out to be nothing, right? Hoof and mouth disease, nothing, right? There was like SARS. There was all this stuff. I'd been through so many of these things. I knew exactly. It's going to be six weeks. It's going to be a news cycle. That'll be it. You know what I realized? I don't know dirt. I don't know anything. And so I can talk about what all my past and all I've seen and all these things on the internet. And the end of the day, what is my job? It's to be Jesus in the relationships that I come into contact with. So we're going to talk a little bit about that with uh, Dr. Heather Brown. The good doctor, would you come up here? And uh, yeah, give her a round of applause. Good to see you. Can you got you all set up? I just want to make sure you got that going. I think so. Oh, there we go. That's awesome. Uh, go ahead and just introduce yourself. Let everybody know who you are, where to find you online, and all that kind of stuff. Oh, uh, hi, guys. I'm Dr. Heather Brown, and doctor is dirt without an I and a T. So that's <laughs> nice. kind of interesting aspect. I like that. to think yeah. about that. My bad. So... Maybe we need a little bit less IT right now. I don't know. <laughs> um, Dr. Heather Brown, um, my website is thehealingheart.net, and uh, I have an office at Living Spring, and I have an office at Grace Lutheran. So thank you for having me. Great. And Good. I don't, I don't, I mean, I know a little bit of dirt, but I don't know all, I certainly no, don't know okay. all the dirt. Yeah. No, you know more dirt than I do, trust me. Um, great. So uh, I, I'd written down just some questions to ask you because uh, when we get into these different, different times, times of crises, times of... Uh, uncertainty, things like that. Um, you, I'm sure your docket, as it gets filled up, is focusing mostly on what's happening. And so I ha over the past year, what has been the impact on relationships over disagreements? You know, like, like how to handle the pandemic, politics, all, like as, as crazy as it's been over the past year. Um, what's been the impact that you've seen, some of the, some of the things that you've seen as, you, uh, as that relates to your counseling? I'm sure you guys all have. It's kind of been everything. I mean, it's been from fear. It's been from doubt. It's been from mistrust. It's been from communication, isolation, um, people who are cutting off friendships. Um, I lost a friend of 38 years because I wouldn't say that our government was evil. And you know, that was shocking to me, but I told her, you know, I'll stand with you in love, but I'm not gonna stand with you with hate. And so we're no longer friends. Um, so I think a lot of people have seen that. Relationships have changed dramatically because we're not able to be together. We're not able to really um, do what Job's friends did those first seven days very well. And so we're missing out on really knowing what's going on in people's lives. And we're often relying on social media, which is so, contorted for what you see mm. and what you know. And um, what I'm seeing is people are becoming more and more fearful to share what they think or what they believe because of the way people are responding. And even if they say, this is just what I think, that's not okay. As, as you guys know, people are being attacked or beaten up or losing friendships simply because you say, well, this is just what I know. Yeah, wow, no, that's, that's great. Uh, Job's friends spend the first seven days with him just, yeah. uh, just being with him. Uh, I know that this is, yeah, I know this is a big part of uh, um, 
how you talk about people sharing with grief and being with people who've gone through loss and things like that. Talk about uh, just the power of just being present, of not having to solve the problem, but just being present with someone who's going through something. Maybe they lost someone through the pandemic. Maybe they've lost their job. Maybe they're just, they're just experiencing all the difficulties of the pandemic. Talk about that a little bit, about how just the normal lay person, just a person like me can just, doesn't have to have all the answers with someone who's grieving. Well, God shares this with us. Um, He has the answers. And he's the one who brings us the answers. And the people who are in this world with us are to be the hands of God, the feet of God, but, but God is to be the center. And so when you step in to assist someone or to help someone, if you're not asking them what do they need, you're coming from your place and your place is not theirs. Oftentimes you're gonna get back, I I don't know what I need. So then when you decide, well, you need this, you're taking them out of that seven day not knowing this. And the best thing you can ever do is give love. So if someone doesn't know exactly what they need, if you're willing to, you can always offer love, presence, compassion, and stay right where they are in the boat and not need to take them to the other side of the shore because they're not ready to go there yet. Mm. They'll know when they are, but until they are, they're gonna perceive that as you trying to move them to a place where they don't yet feel prepared, ready, safe, maybe even willing to go, just as we often are. How many times has Jesus knocked before you open the door? We're not willing a lot, and that's okay because we're, we're right where we are with God, whether we're aware of it or not. And so are all of us when we're in crisis. So if you allow God to be the one to help you with that, you'll have a lot more clarity. Certainly our egos get in the way and we want to be the one to have all the answers. But as soon as it becomes from us, instead of from the loving presence of Christ, it's a little muddy. Yeah. A little yeah. dirty. Yeah. No, I, and, and, and even when, I, what I've found, at least in my own life, even when someone says what they want, like, what do you need? And they say what they need. Then we check it like, nah. yeah. you know, if they say, look, I just need you to listen. Uh, I don't know. Look at Joe. Could, yeah, you, yeah, could yeah, you stop? Yeah. Buddy, yeah, could right. you stop? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's, that's great. That's great. And so re- really, I mean, as someone who's dealing with someone going through something, it's our job really to listen to the Lord just as much as it's their job to listen to the Lord, of just to say, what would you have me do in this, in this situation? Isn't that always the key, uh, to listen to the Lord? Un- unfortunately, yes, it is. <laughs> uh, okay, uh, how do you hold off informing someone when you know you're right? So I'll just give you a quick thing like, you know, we're we're starting to get back together again, and uh, maybe you have a family, and you know, an event is coming up, and you've read so and so's social media presence, and you've read so and so's social media presence, and you're loaded for bear. You know, you know, you can debunk every single one of them. How do you stop from doing that? Well, I think your own personal intention is the most important thing to look at. Why do I feel the need? to show you my wisdom and my knowledge 
when I'm clearly seeing that you're from a different place. Um, I, I always go back to this because to me it's the, it's the perfect vision of how we're to communicate and how we're to be in relationship. Jesus doesn't slam through the door, shove you down at the, the table and say, you're going to eat with me and you're taking me in right now. He knocks and he waits for there to be a connection. And then you open the door. Oh, I can go a little further. And then he says, hey, I'm the son of God. And you say, oh, and he goes a little further. At any place where he feels a pullback, he stays right there and waits until we receive. If you have a great deal of knowledge and you're in the knowingness of yours, somebody else has a different reality or a different belief, it's important to find out where can you go. And if your viewpoint is, I'm going to throw it all at you right now, you're going to get a whole bunch of no's. But if you start with, well, let me knock, are you open? Then you keep moving a little bit forward. And if you get to a place where the person goes, nah, can't do that, but you've already moved all these feet forward, and they're not going to see you in the same way as if you're somebody to like shove everything you know upon them, which completely disrespects everything that they think, they feel, and they know. And we we live our own life. We've read our own books. We've YouTube, the YouTubes that we've YouTubed. So we only know our knowingness. We don't know anybody else's. And to assume we do, it's kind of foolish. Mm, yeah, it's like being wise as serpent, gentle as doves. I've read that somewhere. I can't remember where. Um, okay, finally, just, uh, and this might be too close to the question before it as Taylor comes back up. Um, what are some practical tips when communicating with someone you disagree with, whether it be politics, religion, whatever it is, just some, some tips of like, I, I want to still have a relationship, but we have these areas that we don't agree with. Like, what are some, what are some ways that I can, you've probably dealt with this with marriages, where, you know, you, with friendships, all these different things, where how do I communicate even though we disagree on these different areas. Well, I think there's a place of asking, what's your, inten what's your intention? If my intention is I want to talk to you about this, and I'm curious about your viewpoint, and your intention is, is the same, then we're going to have a pretty good conversation. If my intention is you're going to believe what I believe, and your intention is the same, that's, that's not mm. a very comfortable conversation. Or if I'm going for debate, so I would start off with, well, like, what are we trying to achieve here? And if what you get is, well, I'd, like, I'd like to understand a little bit more so what you know, then I would say, great, this is just what I believe up to now. But let's look at a huge truth in this world. We've lived up to this second. We only know what we know to the second. We're probably going to live quite a bit longer and in every second beyond, there's more truth that's going to be brought to us or we're going to come to find if we keep searching the word, if we keep searching the world. There's so many of us here. Everyone has something to share with us if we allow it. So if you say to someone, this is just what I know so far. It's what I believe, but I'm open to trying to understand what 
you think or what you feel. I know in the beginning of, of COVID, I watched some videos and you know, I posted one. And then the next day I'm like, oh my gosh, it wasn't even really a doctor. I'm like, what am I doing? <laughs> so you only know what you know until you realize you don't know it. Or you know what you know until you realize, oh gosh, that was a part of it. So if you go into a relationship like that, I know this much, but there's so much more, and I think you probably have something huge to teach me too. There's a lot more respect, there's a lot more love. To me, that's the whole purpose while we're here. Go ye out into the nations and share my word and share my love to all. That, that includes every single friend you have as well. Amen. Well, listen, we're running out of time, but thank you so much You're for welcome. being Thanks here. For we really appreciate it. Absolutely. Can you guys give, him a, give her a hand, please? <laughs> All right, as uh, the worship man comes back up, uh, almost said worship band, but uh, as he comes back up, listen, I want to talk to uh, some, oh, you're back up. Wow, that was fast. Um, I want to talk to some of the mature believers in here who've been reading scripture ever since you were little and you know a lot of scripture. I'm not here to berate us for that. Um, you know, um, just like you, the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. It's, it's, it's true. It never returns void. And so what I'm not suggesting is that, eh, you know, who really knows what's in the Bible? No, the Bible's clear on a lot of different things. What I'm merely suggesting is that could we take a step back as followers of Jesus to do what Dr. Brown was talking about? Maybe just pushing the door open a little and going, hey, I have another thing to think about, another way to think about it. Can we use the discipline of silence to go, you know what, I'm going to let you talk and I'm not going to say anything. Because the relationship is more important to me right now. That I can build that up. And at some point, you may come back and say, hey, what's your perspective? Let me pray for us. Uh, Taylor will lead us in another song. And for those watching online, I think, I think we'll have enough time to finish up uh, before the live stream goes. But Lord Jesus, we, uh, we're so thankful that no matter what happens, a pandemic, an illness, a job loss, whatever, our job is not to understand why, but to understand you, to be drawn to you, to ask you, what would you have me do in this situation? What kind of Jesus can I be? when I walk through that door at my next meeting at my next family gathering at my next Zoom what would you have me say? or would you have me say nothing at all? I thank you for that in your name, amen would you go ahead and stand for the blessing And now in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, I pray that you would go in his strength, in his joy, in his peace, and in his humility. In Jesus' name, amen.
have a great week, and we will see you next Sunday.